If you were here last week, you know it was a remarkable Sunday. Melissa and Tony had come and asked if they could be married on a Sunday night. I told Melissa that I had had a vision about a year ago that we were supposed to have a wedding on Sunday morning so that along with one thing being accomplished, that I could have an opportunity as well to talk about the intimate relationship between Jesus and his bride. It was a remarkable Sunday. I thank everyone who was involved. It took a lot of time and a lot of preparation, but it was absolutely beautiful. It's taken a while to get to the message this morning, so I'll be as prompt as I can. The Lord's laid this message on my heart, and I know it's for this Sunday. I will be as quick as I can, but I'm going to be as complete as he's asked me to be. Two weeks ago, standing here, I talked before I ever got to the message about how many sitting in the sanctuary that morning were living an adjusted life. And I just described it as a life that you are now living because something in your past hurt. Something in your past was difficult. Something in your past broke your heart. And because of that, you're now living an adjusted version of life, accommodating and working around the hurt or the brokenness or the anger or the bitterness or whatever happened to be there. And now we live adjusted. And I prayed that morning that if anyone was here who actually lived that adjusted life, that that this would be a morning of freedom, that this would be a morning where they no longer had to live that way. I spoke then on prophecy, and I had an understanding of prophecy like I've never had before, because prophecy within the church, especially within Baptist churches, has been taken to either one of two extremes. One is taught as simply preaching. The other is that we, we don't talk about it because it has too much of a picture of fortune telling, so that it's kind of either totally ignored or adjusted up into a place of no importance. But what God showed me, especially from 1 Samuel chapter 9 in the story where Saul was simply looking for his donkeys. His father's donkeys were lost. He had one objective, go find them. So that was his current situation. That was his current plan. That's all he needed to do. But over here, God had spoken that Saul would be king. So here's the present looking for the donkeys and the future that God established that said Saul will be king. How are these two supposed to be brought together? How is the reality of the current supposed to meet the plan of God in the future? He released it to the prophet. He gave it to Samuel. And it was for Samuel to bring the future of God into the present reality of God so that Saul would now be king. Saul didn't see that goodness in him. Saul didn't see the power in him. Saul didn't see the authority in himself. He didn't see himself in that role at all. But God saw it. God knew that it was there. And so God spoke this leadership over him, even though he totally didn't expect it, didn't believe he deserved it. But it was through prophecy that the future was brought into reality. That's still what prophecy does. Prophecy is the bridge that allows God's future to be brought into today. Because if we don't have it, and this is the real tragedy, because if we don't have the gift of prophecy working actively within a body, then all we're left to do is try to improve the current situation. And we find ourselves, this is what church has become, reinventing our current situation, singing something new, doing something new. Jan said she read this card. The reason people come to church on Easter Sunday is to see if they've made any changes in the church since they were here on Christmas. I want to tell you, church without prophecy, 
without bringing the vision of God's future into today. All we're left to do is try to improve today, and we reinvent it over and over and over and over. I want to tell you, moving from hymns to praise songs is not necessarily a move of God one way or the other. It's, it's one way to simply improve the current situation, change it, try to make it different, because we have no revelation of God's future that we can bring into our story. Prophecy brings the future, brings God's future, God's what God sees into our story today. I want to tell you, it, it can't be ignored. After I shared those things about the relevance of these things, I was talking to Elaine about it, and she made this statement. For so many people, the devil of our past is larger than the God of our future. Let me say that again. That the devil of our past, our history, those things that have happened to us from this point backward, those things are larger than the God of our future. How do we know? How can we tell that that's the truth? And I'll get to some specifics about that in just a minute. This message began in me. Again, I've shared with you several times that they come in odd places and they come in odd ways. But Jan is reading a book, and the, the name of the book is Longitudes and Attitudes, Exploring the World After September the 11th, and it's written by a guy named Thomas L. Friedman. It's a collection of columns which originally appeared in the New York Times, and Thomas Friedman has a remarkable way and a remarkable insight to describe the conflict between the Arabs and, in, and the Israelis and how America fits into that conflict. That's kind of the heart of the book. And he talks about the political environment, and he talks about those things that have caused and the result of this conflict. And he has a brilliant insight into it. In one chapter titled Changing the Channel, he kind of satirically compares what he hears on CNN and MSNBC about the conflict between the Arabs and the Israeli world to what he hears on the Golf Channel. And it is beautifully done. If you didn't read any more of the book, those few pages would be worth reading. Here is this quote that I want to share with you. And he's, again, he's talking about this comparison. He says, there is no history on the Golf Channel and no arguments about history. As with golf itself, it doesn't really matter what you did yesterday on the Golf Channel. Every day starts with a fresh slate. Indeed, success in golf requires that you erase the history of what you did yesterday and focus only on today's round. In golf, unlike the Arab-Israeli politics, the future always buries the past. With the Arab-Israeli conflict, the past always buries the future. He, again, just does such a remarkable job of bringing a focus to this and what has happened. I was impressed by his recognition about what the past burying the future has done to the Arab world. When you hear the news, when you see the perspective of the Arab world, they don't talk about building a future. They talk about the hatred and the revenge to get justice for what has happened to them in the past. And I want to tell you the, the, what hit me, the, the commentary that came out of this was this. That many of us, or most of us, 
are still allowing our past to bury our future. Instead of letting the future that God has for us bury the past so that the past stays buried. So that we're no longer controlled, affected, influenced by the brokenness of yesterday or of last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I want to tell you, when I sit in my office, when I visit with people, it's amazing how the past has so definitely altered the future that they, and they just can't even see it. And I want to tell you this morning, and you may not believe this, but for the majority of us sitting here this morning, our past is still larger and more dominant than the future God has for us. And I can tell in, in a minute, you may be able to tell as well. I want us to go to Mark chapter 10 and look at this story. Mark chapter 10. We're going to begin with verse 17. Because my point this morning is not to teach this throughout the whole story. I'm just going to use the first five verses of this story. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. And when Jesus was gone forth into the way, there came one running. And he kneeled to him and he asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So we understand that this young man was not short on zeal. He was not short on passion. He was not short on being sincere. He was ultimately, intimately desiring something from Jesus. And he asked him, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And the young man answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. When the young man said, Master, I have observed all of these things from my youth. To him, that which was behind him should determine what was in front of him. He was looking at his history, his past and seeing it as inseparably being linked to his future. Now, do you begin to understand the consequences of what this means? If you don't recognize today that there can be a clear separation and must be a clear separation between your past and the future that God has for you, you are going to see as inseparable your past and your future, and you're going to weld them together, and you're always going to carry the things of your past into God's future. And you're going to stumble over them. And you're going to have to work around them. And you're going to wonder why things are not working for you the way that they're supposed to. And I want to tell you, I sat years ago in a conference in St. Louis. I think it was when this church actually went. Shorty, you may remember this and some of you who went. Danny, the man who was speaking that morning asked a father to come up. And he stood the father on one side of the stage. And he had him blindfolded. And he had his son come up, this little boy come up, and he stood on the other side of the stage, and he said to the father, all I want you to do 
is when you hear your son speak from his voice, I want you to make your way to him. And he said, but what I want to tell you, and he held them up. He, was, he did it legitimately. He said, there are bear traps set on the stage between you and him. What's the problem? It didn't matter how sincere the father was or how desperate the, the son's cry was. There were obstacles between them. Hindrances, because if you had just gone from their heart, he would have raced to his son because he would have recognized him. But now he couldn't do what he desired the most because there were hindrances between him and his son. I want to tell you our past sets as a hindrance between the things that we would love and the things that God has spoken, but our past sets as a hindrance. And this young man was saying, but you don't understand my past, what I have done, what I have accumulated should be directly what sets my future in motion. And Jesus is saying, if I can't separate them, there is no future. If I can't separate your past from you, there is no future. My conversation with you today, from God's heart to you, is calling us to realize the proper place of our past and how to keep it there. It's an overwhelming reality that for most of us, even as Christians, our history and our past is still burying our future. I can generally tell when someone's past is dominating their life because they will carry heaviness, sadness, anger, bitterness as a defining characteristic in their life. Let me, read, let me say that again. You can generally tell when someone's past is still dominating their life because they will carry heaviness, sadness, anger, or bitterness as a defining characteristic. And very often, the people who know them best know them by those qualities. They know them by the anger. They know them by the bitterness, or they know them by that past hurt. I can generally tell also when someone's past is dominating their life because they will often hold themselves in better light and will be more critical of others. There's very little self-reflection when you're focused on the past. When you think about the Arab world and the fact that they're angry and, they're, and, and they stir the anger, perpetuate the anger, I want to tell you there's very little self-reflection that we see within them to say, but what was my part? Because the news is filled with who caused what. Why is my circumstance the way that it is? Well, I want to tell you, there's very little self-reflection when someone's past is so dominating their current life. They question God about, who, about themselves and a great deal of asking God, why are others treating me so badly? What is really going on in this story of this rich young ruler? He has allowed his past, his personal history. Now listen to this, because this is the same thing that's happening here. He has allowed his past and his personal history to become an idol that he actually worships. Anything that we give our time, our heart, and our attention to can become an idol. And if we're desperately going to hang on to our past and let it define us, it has become an idol whether we want it to or not. Because we bow to it, worship it, give it attention, give it time, and it comes back and it becomes the defining characteristic of our life. Our past and does become our idol when we let the influence of it or the love of it control and justify our current situation, saying, well, I'm just, this is just going on because of my past. This is going on because of what someone has done. 
This is going on because of, my, of some circumstance. It says, and then Jesus beholding it. Notice this. Please pay attention because I can tell you this is the heart of God over us this morning. Then Jesus beholding him. Then Jesus beholding us. Loved him. Loved us. And said unto him, one thing you lack. But I want to tell you, when Jesus said one thing you lack, there could have been great news. said, man, I'm glad there's just one. But what Jesus was actually saying is you lack one thing. And if you lack this one, you lack everything. If you lack this one, you lack everything. This love compelled Jesus to tell him that he had a future that was distinct and different from his past. He said, this is what I want you to do. And because if you can do this, if you can create the separation, if you can give up the idol, if you can give up that which is hindering you today, I'll set you in motion for a future that you can't even imagine. I want to tell you that promise is true over you and me today and over this church. If we can set apart that past and that which hinders us, there is a future for us unlike that we could ever even potentially imagine. He's asking this young man not because he loves him. Not because it's rules, not because it's rigor. He says, I love you. And because he loves you, he says, why in the world would I want to keep encumbering you with the baggage and the brokenness of yesterday when I have such a remarkable future set before you? But the key to reaching into that remarkable future is the ability for you to not bow to the idol of your past anymore. To let it go and to not relive that brokenness every day, day after day. He was asking him to shift his eyes and shift his heart from the past to the future. And he says, you just lack one thing. And then he gives this instruction. Go thy way. Sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. So his instruction, go thy way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor is simply saying the past can no longer define you. You can no longer be known as the ruler who has these possessions. You can no longer be known as the, as the leader who has these characteristics. You can no longer be known by the wealth that you have in your pocket. The future requires that you see promise and goodness in in the place of victory where failure used to be. Give up your idol. Give up that which hinders you. What would it sound like for God to speak to you this morning when he would say, "Go, go thy way? What would his instruction be to you? Forgive the person who hurt you. Bless someone who has spoken against you. We read that. That's his instruction in Matthew. Let it go. Let the Holy Spirit hold a mirror up in front of you and say, Lord, show me, show me who I am. Show me what I did. Show me my brokenness. Show me how, the healing. Show me the restoration. Instead of looking in that rearview mirror and saying, who hurt me? Go thy way. Separate yourself from those things that have defined you. And I will give you treasures in heaven. I will give you what you cannot possibly imagine. Say, I'm not, I, I hope you recognize this morning. This is on my heart. I have the privilege and the responsibility 
of dealing with people on a, on a regular basis, generally on a daily basis, whose lives are still so wrapped up in the past because of the brokenness that was there. The excitement of watching people be free. And I can, I can look around this room and see you this morning, those of you who are free, who have been able to properly deal with your past. And he says, take up the cross. Let your association, let your affiliation be with Christ. Let your identity be determined of what I call you rather than what the voices of your past call you. Follow me. Obey me. Look up and see what's in front of us rather than constantly looking and hanging on to that which is behind us. For those today who lack one thing, if that one thing is you're still hanging on to your past, if you're still hanging on to those things that have identified you, he's asking you this question, can you fully surrender your heart to God today and say, I will never look back again and be defined by those things in my past? He's asking, can you put your faith in the provision of Jesus who died for you so that you could be free? Can you trust that? Will you trust it? Because he paid a lot to get it. For us to not live free today saying I'm largely ignoring the price that was paid for me so that I could be free. And can we, can you be willing to fully, listen to this, and completely engage the Holy Spirit in your life in the future? Can you? Accept God as your Father, Jesus as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit as the truth and revelation that will bring you into that future. Can you say yes to it? Because if you can't, there's a hindrance, a stumbling block, something there from your past that God is desperately trying to remove. So the question is simple for those who are lacking one thing. Can you... Will you let go of your past, your history? So my today and my tomorrow aren't defined by yesterday's hurt, yesterday's brokenness, yesterday's insult. Can I, can you, can we let go of our past? Are you willing to take your past, take the idol that it is, set it before you, and mentally, emotionally, and spiritually take a hammer and crush it so that that idol can never be formed again. That complete, that thorough, to remove that idol from your life, to say, my past is behind me, God's future is before me, I choose the future. I don't want to be defined by that stuff anymore. Can you remove what hinders you? And finally, will you give up your sin and give God your whole heart? The sin that has encumbered you, the sin that strangely other people know you by, by the bad attitude, by the foul mouth, by the negativity, whatever it happens to be, can you, will you give it up? Because every one of those things is defined by your past. A reflection of something that has happened. And God is saying, if you can separate it, I have treasures in heaven. I have come to bless you on a day just like this. The choice is all you. The provision's been made. The Father loved you. Jesus saved you. The Holy Spirit delivers you. 
Are you ready and willing to walk away from the past, step into the future, and be blessed? I want to pray. I am going to ask as I pray. Hadn't planned to do this, but the Spirit has just quickened it in me. If you know that you're supposed to be a minister here this morning, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit has made that evident. He'll stir your heart so you'll know you're supposed to stand here. And this is what I'm going to ask. If you, this morning, are willing to say, I want to separate my past, I want to step into the future that God has. All he's looking for is a step of faith on your part. You don't have to come and confess everything. You don't have to come because... The ministers here this morning are going to be here to do one thing. To catch you by the hand. To listen to you say, my past is behind me. God's future is before me and I accept it. That's what they're here to receive. If you know this morning that you're supposed to be a minister. If you know that you're supposed to stand here. Again, that's all I'm asking you to do this morning as a minister is to stand here. You don't have to even say anything, but to extend your hand and let someone come and say to you, my past is behind me, my, the fu- my God's future is before me, and I, I accept it. If you're willing to be that minister this morning and God's prompting you, I'm going to ask you to come now. We're standing here. The question is simple. Past or the future? Which do you want? Now, what you're saying is that God has spoken this morning, convicted me, shown me that I have to separate that past so that I can enjoy the future he has before me. Again, you don't have to come and say much. All I'm asking you to come and say is a confession of what's happened inside you. Because if you, I'll even be careful how I'm going to say this, but if you come and it's filled with tears and it's filled with the old story, you're still, the old story still your idol. I want you to come because you're saying I'm living on the other side of that decision now. I'm free. Come and confess that. Lord, we just ask right now for those who have come to that decision and said the, the past. I, I have to leave it behind me. I, I don't want to describe my life anymore. I don't want to tell people of my brokenness. I want to tell them of the future. I want to tell them of what you have shown me. I want to tell them. I just ask people to come this morning as a simple confession and say, the past is behind me, God's future is before me, and I accept the future and leave the past behind. In Jesus' name, amen.